From Recovery Internet Radio, broadcast direct from beautiful Bull Valley, Illinois. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor. Oh, welcome to our newest sponsor, Rose Painting and Drywall. Very nice, adding color to Chicagoland since 1965. Very good man. Tonight's show, Pain Free and Drug Free, with your host, Rick Atwater. Thanks for joining us tonight, where we are every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. Um, tonight, our show is pain-free, drug-free. We're featuring Mr. Uh, Jim Kearns. And uh, Mr. Drughead was going to be with us here tonight, but he didn't make it, which is entirely unusual. So we're going to just go with the flow on that. I want to thank uh, Chris Atwater here, our engineer uh, slash sidekick. Uh, You don't have your hat on tonight, but I got mine, so that's what matters. And uh, shout out to Brendan O, who provides the music for our introduction. And also, just a nod to a friend of ours that we recently lost, uh, a young man named John. So if you'd think about John and his family, we'd appreciate that. Um, Our musical guests tonight are Lamont and Athena, and they'll be playing for us at halftime, and they'll play us out. So, um, a couple of things. Remember that you can call in any time with questions um, or an opinion, I suppose, if you have one of those. And you can call us at 323-792-2977. That's the same number uh, that we've had every week, so I guess it's not changing. Um, We'll be sending a tweet out every week with a question or a statement that relates to this week's show or the show of the week. So follow us on Twitter at Rick Atwater or like us on my Facebook page or follow us on blogtalkradio.com, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Um, we're also going to have a website up pretty soon called uh, recoveryinternetradio.com. Give us a week or so on that. We also do a segment called Peeps on the Street where we ask uh, random and unsuspecting people that same question that we uh, put on Twitter. So uh, this, this week's question is, would you use an alternative to narcotics if you were in pain? So we'll try to get to some peak, uh, questions tonight. And I would like to go ahead and talk to Dr. Kearns. Uh, Jim, let me just start by asking, you're, you're uh, a napropath. Can you, can you say what napropathy is? I know that's probably a... Before we do that, can you say that fast ten times? <laughs> probably not. You want me to try? It's you know. So, so uh, nephropathy is a form of manual medicine that's uh, similar to chiropractic or osteopathic. They actually all started within ten years of each other, and the idea is to work with the body. I call it putting people back together again. So it works with the muscles and the bones together, since the muscles tell the bones where to go. Basically, what napropaths do is they stretch out the muscles and they put the bone back in place. And uh, in the interest of uh, self-disclosure, I will say that 
I, I was a patient of yours for a long time, and you put me back together. So I can testify. I can testify. It's not that great tonight. Maybe I'll have you work on me a little bit. but We'll hang you upside down. Hang you upside down. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever. So what kind of people, what kind of, what kind of pain walks in the door in, in your office? Well, pain's a great motivator. Pain yeah. is what brings people in. Got me and, there. Uh, absolutely. And, and what I found, in addition to doing any kind of manual manipulation, what I found with people who are in pain is what empowers them is to also, once I put them back together again, um, I try to give people some self-help tools because on Sunday afternoon I don't have office hours. But guess when people throw off their backs? Yeah, probably. Pick company picnics, you know, when they're with breaking family. Breaking the leaves. Breaking leaves, all those times. So I like to give people some physical therapy exercises in addition to it because it, it gives people some control because pain makes people feel out of control, right? So if they've got some things that they can do so that they participate in the healing process, it doesn't rely just on me. And I found that uh, people who use those tools are able to manage their pain and work with their pain uh, more effectively. Okay, so, you know, and, and for the purposes of our show tonight, one of the things that, you know, I mean, we're, we're about addictions, and one of our big, you know, concerns or one of, one of the concerns that's out there right now in the general population is narcotic, uh, prescription narcotic abuse, you know. Um, and, in fact, I, I saw a special, well, I, I, was, I was telling, uh, talking, talking to Mitchell here the other this morning about uh, uh, hearing an ad in the just on the uh, on the news radio program about um, a, a narcotic uh, pain medication treatment program, right? You know, like in the middle of the morning on a on a Sunday. So you know, so it's like it's out there. Absolutely, uh, and and I I can tell when I've got a new patient who's on any kind of narcotic. First of all, I can see it in their eyes, and I can see it in their mannerisms. What do you, um, what do you see? Um, you see glazed look in their eyes. They're they're uh, they're talking really fast or really slow, either one, and they're they're focused on their pain exclusively. So when I'm doing an exam with somebody, I'll like say to the exclusion of the what causes it, or to to the exclusion of what alleviates the pain. They're so micro focused on what the pain is and how it overwhelms their life. So typically, what they'll tell me in a case history in a first visit is. I started on two Norcos, you know, then after six months that didn't do the trick, so I boosted up. And and I've had patients look me square in the face saying I'm taking eight or ten of those a day, and they have no concept of what that's doing to the rest of reality because okay. they're so focused on that pain. I get you. And if, if Mr. Drughead was here tonight, I'd say to tell the crowd what, what Norco is, what a Norco is. But my understanding of what a Norco is is basically a double Vicodin. And what exactly. a Vicodin is is uh, it's a it's a narcotic painkiller. Absolutely, and w what it does is it, from my perspective, is it disassociates people not only with the pain, with, but with their body. So my my role as a doctor, as crazy as it might sound, is to bring people back into their into their body. See, people drag this body around with them, and then when it breaks down, they get mad. <laughs> you know, but they don't do anything. You know, people understand you got to water flowers, you got to put gas in your car but they drag this body around with them and they don't take care of it. So they use medication, they use narcotics, and so that numbs them to making that connection. So that's why when I see a patient who's got that glazed look in their eyes, so, so my role even in, in an initial exam is to start to connect them. So 
what I found is anybody who's on narcotics, if I say, well, does that make it hurt? Everything makes it hurt. Mm. So then I have to say, well, what makes it better? That connection, if I say, so if someone's got right shoulder pain and I raise their arm, they're like, oh, that hurts. And I could raise their arm five degrees just away from their body. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. So if there's no torn, if there's nothing physical there, it's like, well, I say, well, what make it better? What makes it better? They can't answer that. Right. They can't There's probably only one thing that makes it better. That's exactly and that, is that, right. Is that upstairs largely? Totally, totally upstairs. Yeah. So how do you separate how do you separate somebody from that notion? It's it's a process. It's a process because that's where the empowerment comes in, that they're that they don't exclusively rely on medication, that they themselves can have control over it. And there's some simple positions they can put their body in which will lower pain. So we start talking about things like, well, What's the difference between a level 10 pain and a level 5 pain? And, and people who've had surgeries, multiple surgeries, they get that. They can distinguish that. Well, and, and I think, and I'm sure, you know, maybe you could talk about this a little bit, but people people want, you know, when somebody's hurting, they, all they want is to not hurt. They're like, I, I came here to not hurt, and you're giving me exercises and telling me it's going to hurt a little more. Or, you know, it's more like a, fa- uh, you know, fast food you know, Norco is like fast food. Absolutely. It's Absolutely. not nutritious, but it does the job. Yeah. And so there's, when I was saying it's a process, you don't jump people in exercises. Yeah. So there's there's a process where what I was saying earlier is like I'll, I'll put the body back together. It's a beauty of, of manual manipulation. You know, if, if someone's in a chronic pain pattern where their, their body is out of alignment, the beauty of, you know, stretching is that you can take a muscle that's too tight, you can lengthen it, you can put a bone back in place. And, and people, no matter what kind of medication they're on, they can feel physically the difference in their body. So, okay. so I'll introduce them to so that concept. So you do concept. it slow enough so they can – so that do you, like, ask them as you go along with Absolutely. small movements? Particularly with someone on medication, the role is anything that we do in this visit should not hurt. Huh. So if that happens, you tell me. But then I want to take it a step further and say, tell me if something feels better. And inevitably, anybody that's on narcotics, they can't answer that question. They can't tell me. They can tell me what hurts, and everything hurts. But I'm like, now, wait a minute. I know clinically in my mind, I'm like, there's some things that we're doing here where we're spring range of motion, taking muscles that are chronically shortened positions. So their mind is still telling them that it hurts, even though you've noticed as as a physician that they've got a bigger range of motion. Because that's that that cyclical thinking of. And so does it, like catch up like does that slowly catch up that they're getting better? slowly it does and and sometimes if they can't feel it that's the beauty of measuring range of motion so uh. um someone who's got a chronic low back problem they've had two surgeries typically those are people who can't bend forward to say i can't tie my shoes so they'll they'll barely be able to bend forward so i'll do some of that stretching if they can't feel a difference i'm like all right stand up we'll compare their range of motion before i did it and they're like oh so if they can't feel it, then they can see it. But they've got to be a witness to noticing that change. I'm is in the business just, of change. Is that just people that are taking, uh, you know, pain medication, or is that pretty it, much? Is it does that generalize? It's stuff? universal. I would say, you know, the concept that that we can change alignment is something that's lost on people. If, if I would have a wish, it would be to help people understand that, you know, if, if uh, someone is a truck driver, their posture is radically different than someone who stands for a living because they're putting their body in a position where they're sitting 8 to 10 hours a day versus someone who's 
maybe a patrol officer or walk in the streets or something like that. The way their hips are positioned, the way their back is positioned will be radically different because they're asking their muscles to do two totally different tasks. So let's let's go back to, like, if you're talking to, uh, if a recovery person walks in your door, there, you know, it's we, we start with the assumption it's probably not a good idea for them to be using um, narcotics. There may be there may be reasons when, where you know some circumstances where they'll have to, but for the most part, narcotics and recovery from alcoholism and drug addiction don't go well together. And I, I just had a, a patient, and he he was deathly afraid because he was in recovery, and then uh, he had to use some narcotics for surgery, and he lost his sobriety. He was deathly afraid because he was looking at another surgery and deathly afraid because he was talking to a surgeon, and the surgeon was very free to give these medications out. So he was saying, you would know, you what say, should I do? Would you say, I mean, do you think that's a common thing? Uh, for surgeons, yeah. They, they want to make sure when they're done cutting that there's a minimal amount of pain. From a medical perspective, for that four to six weeks weeks postoperative. They I mean, I know this is a le- you know this is a little bit of this is liable to be a leading question or a little <laughs> bit touchy. But do you think, for the most part, doctors understand addiction? No. Um, so you know, surgeons are great at what they do. Yeah, that's what they do. Good technicians. That's exactly right. Um, I consider them like the mechanics of the body. You know, so that's what they're great at. Um, and I think most surgeons would agree that that's their scope of practice. That's what they're great at. But beyond that, they, you know, good physicians defer to other people who have a better handle on that. Well, unfortunately, the physicians are the ones that write the scripts. <laughs> this is true. So we're going to go a little off off the script right now, <laughs> off the reservation, and ask you why do you think? I mean, you seem to be pretty tuned into the addictions situation. Of course, you're a natural. A provider right. of natural alternatives, but why is it that doctors, even though they're t- technically skilled, and why is it that they've been to school all these years and for the most part don't seem to have a real good handle on uh, the addiction thing? Hmm. I mean, I, I, maybe that's not a fair question. I don't know. I'm asking for conjecture, but I, I just, I just wonder. Well, what I've what I've noticed in the medical field is is uh, in medicine people. That's their specialty. Like that's what they focus on. So if you ask them to go beyond that, they'll they'll say you've got to see your rheumatologist, you know, which is an arthritis doctor. You know, so it's very compartmentalized. Medicine has become so specialized. I sometimes joke with my patients that if your right index finger is broken, but you're seeing the specialist who works with thumbs, he's like, sorry, you got to go. You have to go down the hall. You got to go to the thumb. To see that. Yeah, exactly. And, and so you know, we become I don't do thumbs. No. right. Exactly. No, no. And it, it yeah. literally has become so specialized that there's... a gong there. Yeah, I got a gong. <laughs> I think we got a guy to have a gong. That sounds... You know what I'm saying? It's just, um, and it, you see that even in cancer treatments now, that, that, that there's not a universal treatment for cancer. They're right. they specialized so much. Medicine's become so specialized. So I think addictions... But, but everybody gives... But, but all every specialty is gives, you know, can write a prescription. Most definitely. Most definitely. I and mean, that's that's the therein lies the, the the rub, I guess, huh? Right. And I think I think from a medical perspective, what what they're focusing on, they know when they let's say for a surgeon, for example, they know when they cut that 
body's response to any kind of surgical procedure is going to be pain. And and most surgeons want to minimize that. And at four to six weeks is typical post-operative healing process. So they want to minimize that amount of pain during the course of that and so that people can start transitioning into physical therapy or something like that. And I, I'm, I So that would be my understanding of why they defer to pain meds. The, the problem is, well, what happens if that healing hasn't occurred within that six weeks? Now that's where the, the medical system doesn't know how to work with yeah, them. Yeah, now we've got a big question mark. The other question mark is we, there's lots of people that don't aren't post-surge. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of people that have problems, didn't have surgery. Exactly. Who end up on pain meds for one reason or another. Maybe uh, some kind of maintenance or... Or failed surgeries, you know, surgeries that don't work so well. Sure. Um, or people that have had multiple surgeries, you know. Are these the kind of people that you're seeing? Absolutely, absolutely. Is that why you're better tuned here or what? Yeah, and I would say, and that, that's why, because those are the patients that are walking my door, if, if I was doing the same thing that everybody else had done, they, you know, then I would be doing them a disservice. You know, they wouldn't be walking to my door. If that would have worked, they wouldn't need to be coming to see me, right? That's right. So they're, they're, they're looking for something. Exactly. They're looking for something. And so that's why that that body-mind connection is so crucial and so, so critical. So, so most of the people that come to see you have already tried traditional medicine? I would say that's true. Yeah, I would okay. say they've tried traditional medicine, and they're looking for something more. And just uh, like a... How many would you? How many people um, would you say, just a ballpark percentage, that walk in your door already on, you know, narcotic, narcotics? Oh. But how many do you think have addictions problems? Not necessarily. I'm talking about recovery. I'm just talking about whether they know it or not. What you think? Oh, easily three quarters, seventy-five percent of the people I see easily. Okay. Well, then that answers my question about why. Absolutely. Why you know. And, and e- even just uh, dependence, you know, where it's easily and, – and some of the people that are dependent, and that's where the mind mm-hmm. enters into it, you may not hear – they may not even put on the initial intake form, but if they're on their third surgery, they've come to mentally rely on, i got to take a Norco every now and then because it helps me sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, wait a minute. That's not what that's for. <laughs> No, <laughs> last no. time I checked. No, originally. You know what I mean? Yeah, Norco's not. Uh, uh, you no. know, one of the best examples I can give you is I, I just had a, a new patient on Friday. Um, she's had surgery, she's had you know two years of physical therapy, um, and she's still in pain. So right away, I, I have to be honest with her and say, you know, I I gave her my spiel. Her job requires her to sit eight to ten hours a day, and she told me in the beginning, my computer is not set up right. The chair that I have is from the 70s. It's taped together with duct tape. So it, her position, her body position, has molded into that chair. Right. So the fact that when she gets out of that chair after 10 hours, her spine doesn't go back to normal. And so after she had, she had worked within, I if I would call it traditional medicine, probably three years. No, nobody had told her that if you download 8 to 10 hours of asking your muscles to do that, your spine doesn't rebound, and that's why you can do all the surgeries, all the physical therapy, but you've got to treat the rest of your life, the other 23 and a half hours a day, right. and, and notice what you're doing to your body there. Was she, was she oh, yeah. Big she into, was using medication yeah. to manage that as well. Right. And, and it wasn't you know, wasn't working, which is why... Nope. Which is, is was not working, which is why she saw me. Now, you said, you know, you said 75% of the people, and just I know it's a ballpark, you're not counting, yeah. and, and, you know, but... 
That's that's a big number. Huge. Yeah, that's a Huge. big number of people who who end up becoming medication dependent. Most definitely. Do you what's I mean, I don't know that this is uh, uh, within your within your frame of reference to answer either, but I'll ask it anyway. Is what do you think happens to those people who are medication dependent and maybe maybe learn to manage their pain through you? What happens to their medication dependence? I mean, what happens to the the mental part of their medication? So you mean if I'm working with them, you mean? Yeah. So that that's if I can't help them make that connection that they're in control. There's no way they're gonna not rely on that medication because they've they've been taught pain equals being out of control equals taking another hydrocodone. Right. What's the most common thing you see people I take? Hydrocodone. Hydrocodone. Yep. Yeah. Easily, Vicodin's evil and dark and and people have right. pretty severe reactions to that by and large. I have heard that. Whereas hydrocodone's a little smoother, easier yeah. to tolerate. Yeah. Um, but so, as a result, easier to take more of over a period of time. Okay. Well, what I'd like to do is is um, maybe stop there for a minute, and can we do can we do uh, peeps on the street at this point? Because right. there's a couple of darn tootin'. <laughs> All right. We got, we've got a couple of a uh, couple of uh, random peeps on the street interviews uh, concerning the the question of the day here. So uh, give a listen. All right, you're on. The question is, I'm on. You're on. You are. The question is, if you had physical pain, would you take an alternative for, uh, for you know, for it rather than like narcotics or? or uh, I well, my whole thing is I've stayed away from narcotics. I've done ibuprofen, naproxen, sodium stuff. I don't. I don't react well to the, and actually the narcotics don't help me very much. Why so, is that? I don't know. I don't. I don't think Vicodin affects me the way it does other people. It's hmm. like too weak or something. And I've been afraid to try anything else. I did Norco or something messed me up the last time I had a medical procedure. Where they, I think I had a dental thing. <laughs> no, it messed me up. Yeah, no, it, 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 it set me loopy rather than... I mean, I might have taken the pain away, but I freaked out because I hadn't felt like that in so you were, years. Okay. So, yeah, it was, uh, but I, uh, that was the last time I took anything. I don't take anything narcotic anymore. Uh, yeah, I'd absolutely use an alternative. I mean, given our current political and societal climate with the way that prescription drugs are used and misused, uh, I think finding alternatives are definitely necessary at this point in order for us to get away from the negatives of the prescription world. What's the, what would you say is the downside of the script for? Uh, abuse, addiction, I mean, I've read articles lately about people, you know, moving over from the Oxycontin and and anything else that they're using to just straight heroin because that's that's right. what's working for them now. Right. So I just I hate to see people going for a legitimate need of pain relief and then having it destroy their lives. So you want to respond to any of that? So non-steroidals is a whole different class than narcotics, obviously. Say what, say what that is. So those are the over-the-counters. Um, right. Ibuprofen, um, naproxen, 
And those are much more available to people. And I would say that's even abused more than narcotics mm. because it's more available to people. They don't need a prescription for it. Mm -hmm. And people aren't aware of how that compromises their entire system till maybe they get a stomach bleed or they develop an ulcer and or they get gastric reflux. So all those symptoms are from years for people who will be mm. taking those kind of medications, the non-steroidal, the ibuprofens, and people don't have a sense of how that affects their overall health mm -hmm. because that's the same kind of McDonald's mentality that you're using. Oh, i got an ache and pain. I mow the lawn. I'll take two ibuprofen. Wait a minute. If you actually read the fine line in the reading on it, it says take one, <laughs> wait two hours, and if you're still bad, take a second. But It says that? Absolutely. I feel like just a lack of education. I think most people think that, oh, I know how to use aspirin, you know. Well, it, it's it's the concept, well, if one works, two works twice as good. <laughs> but when right. really the dosage, so typical ibuprofen is 220, between 200 and 120 milligrams. So, you know, they think, ah, well, just it up to 400, you know, in that 400 range, and then I'll be able to mow the lawn twice as long. <laughs> tractor. Right. In our, in our second, uh, what's that? I don't know. <laughs> We've got a, like, it sounds like a long ranger kind of sound going on. Um, Transmissions. The second, uh, the second Pete talked about how uh, people moved through, you know, from uh, legitimate use of pain, you know, pain medication into uh, other things, maybe not legal. You know, well, heroin, there's no doubt. You... You know, I, have you come I was, across that, or absolutely. And I, um, you know, especially uh, with people who've got physical jobs, construction workers, concrete, where it's physical backbreaking work. Right. You know, so the idea is, or you know, these guys have to go out and work. So this is the time of year, summer, where guys are working eight, ten, twelve-hour shifts, and if they've got to pay bills, it's not like even though they're in pain, they still got to wake up the next day and do it. So they're getting through the day somehow. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, I think we're gonna we're gonna stop there, and we're gonna ask uh, Athena and Lamont to come and play us a song. Will you play us a song? Yes, a song. Play us a song. Hola. Hola. As you were talking, I was thinking about you know, the bus drivers, the truck drivers that have to sit for hours or office jobs, and we're singing a song about sitting on the dock of the bay.
Come back and, and, and play us out in a few minutes, huh? And I should mention, these guys just spent the day in a recording studio. I don't know what all they were doing there, but we're going to hear a little bit more about it in a few minutes. So, um, anyway, so back to our uh, back to our discussion. Um, I guess where I kind of want to go with this with the with the second half of what we're doing here is maybe sort of a solution oriented discussion about you know what would we what would we expect if somebody came in you know a recovering person came in maybe even a newly recovering person who wasn't really very aware of the dangerousness of narcotics comes into you with a problem not necessarily a post surgical problem but a pain problem what do, what do you, what are you going to what do you tell them what do you do i tell them talk to their sponsor <laughs> First and foremost, and if if it's a situation, I had someone who uh, was coming had had lost their sobriety because they went on narcotics because of a surgery, and she knew she was coming up to another surgery. She was deathly afraid of getting on medication again, but her her pain was at a ten out of ten and starting mm-hmm. to cause her life to spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I said is when you get the next prescription of narcotics, give it to your sponsor. Yeah. And make sure that every every pill that you get is from your sponsor and you follow that prescription exactly. And once that prescription's done, you're done. Mm. And I just saw her Friday and she's 
she's done with her surgery. She doesn't need so she went through that four to six weeks, and so she doesn't need the medication anymore. It gets trickier for people who have to manage that long term. Yeah, it gets much trickier. How much of that? How much of that ten was uh, was the narcotic uh, nervousness about having any pain, and how much of it was? Yeah, that, that's where that's where clinically you just have to give it some time. And so what I was saying to you earlier, I don't that makes sense when I said to get someone into their body. Yeah. So when, maybe when, say more about yeah, that. What when, does that mean? That's that's how you go down that road, and that's where you find out: is that the medication talking? Is that their head talking? Or is that their body talking? That's when you do. Then you work in the movement. Exactly. Where you get range of motion. Where, where, where they you... start to. So, so my experience has been the body has its own wisdom. The body, the body will eventually. The body's ability to heal itself is phenomenal. And most of the 75% of people that I see that are on pain medication, they don't want to be on that medication. Right. But I make a clear distinction using those pain levels. There's a huge difference between, say, a level 4 out of 10. You can you can live with that. It's not great. You can manage it. Once you start getting up in 6s and 7s, you want that prescription bottle a little bit closer because now you're starting to gnaw on your teeth. You know the old cowboy movies where they put the wood right between your teeth? <laughs> And little, yeah. little tears yeah. in the corners of your eyes kind of thing. Right. That's yeah. the 7 out of 10. And that's 10. not going to work for a guy who's, uh, you, you know. You can't be digging ditches or driving trucks 7 out of 10 pain. You know, there's mm-hmm. just no way you can be putting in those long days, which is how they, more, you know, yeah. end up that way. Um, so you take people down that journey of self-discovery and you find out, is this your medication telling you you're a 10 out of 10 pain? Well, you know, so what if you're on eight of those and, and you start on a program with me? After a month, are you able to get down to six? Hmm. All right. Then then over two months in the program, can you get down to four? But it, it's not just enough to to have them slowly start lowering their medication. That's where giving them two or three positions to put their body And not even exercises. Exercise sometimes in my world with someone who's in pain, that's a dirty word. Because their bodies too much. Well, their bodies betrayed them. Yeah. So much. So you tell them exercise. They're like, dude, every time I move, mm. I'm in pain. Now you're asking me to move more. So when you say position, you you find a position where they that they can get in where pain they're relief. not in pain relief yeah. positions. And, and so like give me an example of that. I mean, I know you can't like we can't we're not on TV, so you really can't show us. Well, Rick is but, hanging upside down right now. That's what people in the listening audience don't. <laughs> right. Know. You don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, he's in traction right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something, something yeah. real simple. If people can visualize this. If you've got a couch or a coffee table at home, uh, lay flat on your back and, and throw your legs up on that couch and coffee table. Uh, snug your butt up as close to that your coffee table as you can so that your knees are bent at a 90-degree angle and so is your back. It's a mild form of traction. It shuts off the back muscles and it provides some relief uh, for back stiffness, pain, and it's safe for Everybody share that with your friends and family. It's something that uh, people, especially chronic pain people, easy to do. Easy to do. Yep. The most the the feedback I get from people, the hardest thing is getting into the position and sometimes getting out. Right. Because um, if you're in a lot of pain, it would be hard to get exactly. down there in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I had uh, a 82 year old patient, George, 50 year history of back pain, <laughs> over six surgeries, and I, I share that with them on a Monday. So Tuesday, he calls me at my office. He said, the first time in 30 years, 
He said, I had a half hour of pain relief. I said, Georgia, I only told you to lay there 10 minutes. He said, you think I was going to get out of there after 10 minutes? It feels so good. Absolutely. Okay, so Absolutely. It's, it's as simple as that. Absolutely. And, and so that's why even to introduce that concept of exercise, instead of I say, what if I gave you a position where your, your level 10 pain could come down to a 6? Now you've got people's attention. And that, that, then that possibility of not relying on their pain relievers becomes a reality. But you have to go down that journey of self-discovery. You have to do it first. Get, get, you got any other examples of some simple things that you've given to people that, that help them relatively quickly? Um, for truck drivers, I educate them on, on what the proper sitting position is. So the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons came up with a definition of what posture should be. Mm-hmm. And I show them people what the spine should look like. And then I, I I have them visually look at that, and then I say, well, where do you think you? So let's be more specific. We'll say, where do you think your hips are compared to that chart? Mm. And for every truck driver, if you think of the sitting position, you sit back on your sit bones. So the correct definition of posture sitting should be that you're, you're upright. I call it sitting as tall as you can. Okay. So if you so like I, not like me exactly, right. but that's that's what chairs do, right? It so, is. Um, so. One way that people can do a self-test for you out in the listening audience is try to sit up as tall as you can and hold that for a minute. Hmm. Now, your body is going to give you feedback. Your muscles are going to tell you how well they work. If after 20 seconds your muscles are screaming at you, guess what? You know that your posture is compromised because that's not crazy, right? When we're talking about exercise, I'm not saying run around the block. I'm just, just saying sit up. Sit upright, right? right? So that's an example of if, if truck drivers can't do that, then they, they're they've got some idea of how those muscles do or sometimes don't work. And most people that see me, their muscles don't work and haven't worked for a long period of time. And so your job is to get exactly get them to work again. Exactly. So you know, you know those. Have you ever seen those uh, back supports? You know, yeah. that go like yeah. in the low back. Yeah, yeah. Those those are tools to start to introduce that curve into the low back. Right. But those those are only reminders to help the muscles slowly start to turn on. Because if people become dependent on those, now you're not turning those muscles on. So it's it's only partially effective. But that would be a good one. So like for listening audience members, think of sitting up as tall as you can. A good test to, to do that is try to do that for a minute and see how well your body can do that. Another fun one that I like to have people do is stand up against the wall with your heels against the wall. And, and use the wall as a feedback. Um, for people whose head is out of position, if you feel a huge sway back in your low back, so if you're standing up against a wall right now and you can put your hand and you know everybody here is back, thinking, I'm going to do that as soon yeah. as I can get next to a wall, I'm going to check this out. Absolutely. It's a good self-test. Yeah. So your question was a really good one, you know. So if you can slide your hand behind your low back and there you could fit like a car between there mm-hmm. then there's a, a, a misalignment in not only in the low back but the hip as well and and, and what I want your you know listening audience to know is a, a lot of these a lot of these things are easy to fix once you know what muscles to turn on or what muscles to turn off and it's that connection where people who are taking a lot of narcotics or are, are addicted it gives them that vital tool where they start to take control back of their body because they're coming from a perspective of their bodies betray them, they're out of control, that's why they're on the medication. So, so in, in reality, in, in this case here, what we're talking about is the narcotics are actually 
counterproductive to healing. It's disassociating from you everything I just said. You don't feel, you couldn't feel that, but you wouldn't know which muscles to turn you're on. You wouldn't even eight know. Norco a day, you you don't know if you're sitting up. You, that that feedback mechanism. Yeah, you don't know body. if you're sitting up yeah. or laying down. Exactly, exactly right. Exactly. And, and you don't. Care. Yeah, right. Yeah. It wouldn't really matter that much. So so you got a guy who's asking right. you to do this, and you're like, dude, I'm just give me another pill. I mean, what are you talking about? You know. So right. what I do is not for everybody. There's there's no yeah. doubt about that. It's for people who want to make that connection, and that that uh, they have to start to trust their body, though. Well, you're absolutely in the, recovering, right. the recovering community, in, in many respects, has to. Absolutely. I mean, it, you know, otherwise, you know, you're you're you know, you're asking for you know, you're asking for trouble. So, which I mean, is why they are great candidates because they are motive. They want that. You know, right. They are great candidates. I mean, everybody will say they don't want to take a pill, but there's a certain only a certain category of people that really don't want to take a pill. Yes. And you, you know can, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, I, how many, I can't tell you how many guys I've talked to that says, oh, I, don't, I don't even take an aspirin, you know, but, but I, you know, I drink a quart of, you know, vodka a day, but I don't ever take an aspirin, you know, I mean, so I'm not going with the I want to take pills thing. It's, you know, it's a, you know, let's see what happens. Here, Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, so that's good. It's a great alternative for recovering people to be able to to hear to see this, you know, because mm-hmm. now have you had? I know you told me a story one time about a guy who uh, who was on methadone for pain. This was quite a few years ago. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How? Tell me a little bit about how somebody would get well, all the way to methadone for pain. I because that, that's used for detox from heroin at, or, or maintenance from and, heroin. And, and actually, it it started out with a low back injury. Okay. He, he was one of those construction workers that I was talking about. It was this time of year, it was summer, and it was it was the classic case of a back injury. Started out with something over the counter, didn't work. Got to go to work the next day. Goes back to the dock. I'll take these. Start out with hydrocodone. It was that cycle. Hydrocodone doesn't work. We go to absolutely. We go to Norco. Norco doesn't work. We go to what? You go you go to six Norco a day. Those didn't work. So. That's, and now we need detox from Norco absolutely. and pain relief, so we're yeah. taking, so we're now... And that that's the person who's in my office where their eyes are all squirrely and they don't right. know what day of the week it is, but they are working 12 hours a day. Right, right. And that, that to me, is the, the that's the, the story of the, uh, you know, the addiction problem that, you know, that we see. Like like our, our peeps said on the street, uh, how people go can go from... The, the narcotic uh, pain medication to easily to use it on the street. Actually, I, and I've heard this, and and again, I would ask Mr. Drughead to verify it for me. But but I've heard that um, like a, an oxy you know an oxycontin or an oxycodone on the street is about a buck a milligram, <laughs> and they come in forties and eighties. So imagine if you had sure uh, if you got if you had a, a an oxycontin habit or an oxycodone habit. At at eighty bucks a pill, how many how how would you come up with that kind of money? Where heroin's you know, hundred bucks a jab, ten bucks a bag, you know. Absolutely, and that that so the individual you're talking about that's how that's how that cycle started. Yeah, and plus, you know, so that disassociation, you're going to get more of a kick from the heroin than you will oxycodone because you'll you'll develop a, a tolerance for all that. Sure, you know it's amazing you know what the function that people can do while they're on all that stuff, you know, and the pain that they have. And so they, they sometimes when they're on that much medication, they know they're in pain, but they're 
they're out of control. They don't know what to do about it other than pop another pill. Yeah, so what you're saying is sometimes people are on the narcotics or even on the narcotics, even still in pain. Oh, yeah. They just don't know how much pain they're in. Exactly. Yeah. That's a disassociation. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I, and I think, again, I think this is really a great resource for people. Are there other, I mean, what avenues would, would, would you know, could people take to do, uh, you know, non-drug-oriented uh, treatments for, for structural or muscle issues? I mean, obviously, nephropathy is one road to go down. Are there other roads that they could take? Yeah. So, um so in 1978, the World Health Organization recognized acupuncture as a legitimate train, a, a legitimate treatment for pain relief. Mm-hmm. And the World Health Organization has been around a long time, longer yeah. than the AMA. Yeah. And uh, so I, I uh, direct some of my patients that I'm working with, I'll, if they're if they need something more for pain relief, so that they can begin a program with me, I'll refer them to ac- some acupuncturists as well. And, you, and uh, any other any other things that you've you've used, or I know you you work with an orthopedic guy as well. So Absolutely, you're not, you know, we're not crossing off. No, nope. I work within the medical community, so there's a time and a place for that. Um, I I'm fortunate enough to be associated with surgeons who are good. You know, I'm I, I'm, I'm in the unfortunate position. I see some of the failed surgeries, mm-hmm. and that that people get in the cycle. So I do refer to orthopedics that I know will get in, do what they need to do, get out, and then get people on their recovery, you know, and healing as quick as possible. Um, but so there, there's other there's other forms of natural medications uh, There's that will help. There's a microcurrent therapy that I use, which is a form of electroacupuncture that's been proven uh, clinically to reduce pain levels as well. TENS units are great. Um, if you see some of the football players, what is that? These are so. If you see, like, uh, if you see some of the athletes after a uh, comp- when they're doing a conference uh, press conference, like after a football game or a pitcher, they got the big bag of ice on their shoulder mm-hmm. and they got the black little thing on their belt. That's a muscle stim or a tens unit that they a pitcher's got on their shoulder. So it takes down inflammation and it reduces pain levels. And that's another thing that I encourage particularly all of my patients, not just patients in recovery, that it's something that they can use aside from medications because it's it's external. You just put pads on the muscles and the joints that are affected, and it will give people pain relief that way. And I heard you mention ice. Is ice Absolutely. That... Ice is a great form of, of reducing inflammation and helping with pain as well. And does, does uh, I mean, I mean, these are all things that are seem pretty simple. I mean, Absolutely. Not not really complex. So one of the things I like to say to my patients is movement is medicine at at the right time in the healing process. You know, it's medicine for the body, but it's also medicine for the mind. Something as simple as a walk. You and I were talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. for someone with low back pain who's locked in that cycle of not moving, the fact of just going for a 10-minute walk. walk. We're not talking crazy, you know, in terms of time or distance, but just that ability to move. Because if you don't use, you know, if you don't use the body, if you don't move it, you will lose it. You said something a little earlier, which uh, that, that interests me. You said, you know, this isn't going to be for everybody. In other words, some people are just going to, they're going to want the quick fix. There's no, no ifs, ands, or buts. Absolutely. Give me a pill. Right. Got to go. So, I mean, in a way, 
um, I think that really fits well with the recovery model because it's the same it's the same thinking. This isn't for everybody. You know, it's for people who want it. Right. Heard that phrase? Absolutely. I don't know, there's probably a few people here that might have heard that phrase, but yeah, so <laughs> so it's you know, it's for people who want it. You know, not yep. necessarily just for people who need it. And and uh and that's you know, that's why it fits so well. You know, so um Again, back to the, you know, back for a minute to the doctor to, you know, it, it's still a dilemma for me why, you know, you seem to get it, I guess maybe because you work with more people that, that need to do non-medical intervention. Right. You know. And I put them on, a, I put patients on a program. So um, I've got a patient, Tony, who uh, had seen his chiropractor for 25 years every other week. And he was one of those people when he stood up against the wall, his back had this huge curve. Um, so I, I showed him three sets of, he did three exercises on Monday. After I after I did a lot of the physical work in the office, I just set up on a pro, set him up on a program on Monday, a different program on Tuesday, and a different program on Wednesday. So I saw him for six weeks uh, in order to get him started on that program. And we had, if you remember last winter, where we had three snowstorms in a row, three mm -hmm. days in a row. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't seen Tony in five years, but it was the third snowstorm in three days where he couldn't work himself out of it. So I saw him. He said he was he was fine for five years. He was doing the stuff I showed him, totally pain-free, uh, didn't need any medical intervention, no medication. But it was that third snowstorm that put him over the edge. Mm -hmm. I just had to do a little work with him. And I said, Tony, Tony's 72 now. I said, I'll see him five years. <laughs> So that's the kind of stuff when we're talking about people on right. programs. Right. So we like to do it. Exactly. You know what? The point you made a little bit ago just makes me think, you know, it's not for everyone. Do you have do you have clients that come to you and you would kind of explain what you're planning on doing and they say, you know what, you know, you're you're crazy, you know, yeah. this, isn't, this isn't for me and just kind of, you know, either, either fight you on it or walk? I, I've had uh, patients with low back pain and some uh, disc injuries, herniated disc, which we manage a lot, um, who I've explained this principle of alignment and that we work with the muscles and the bones and we can put you back together again and I'll look at their MRI, which is minimal things we've worked with all the time. I'll say that to them. They'll look me straight in the face and they'll say, I want surgery. I feel that that's what's going to help me. And so that's and so my job as a physician is to send them to the surgeon because you can tell those people that have made it up in their minds that that's what's going to heal them. Right. Um, so you're not yeah. going to convince somebody. Yeah. Absolutely gonna, not. You know, yeah. Absolutely and I think not. there's some there's some parallels, you know, to people who understand what working, you know, what a program is and the need to work that. Yep. You know, uh, you know, that goes well with the recovery. And that's why I call it a program because people right. are in recovery that in, in the yeah. same way what we're doing here there there yeah. is no quick fix sure your body took a long time to get that much out of alignment to the point where you need to be on narcotics yeah fewer steps but effective exactly <laughs> right. that's that, that's pretty good um say a little bit just just you know by way of of you know tooting your own horn what you, you have a you have a, a way to get to you uh on the on sure. the internet you have a absolutely my website is pain-free 101.com. That's mm -hmm. the numbers 101. Okay. Um, and we, we choose that because there's an educational component. There's articles on my website to educate people uh, so that they can learn a little bit more. And so we've got a website there that we direct people to. And we're on Facebook as well. 
All right. Uh, Northwest Healthcare Center is my office. And the uh, phone number for people who are interested is area code 815-337-7109. Perfect. You can well, also find that information as well uh, on, on uh, Twitter, at Water and uh, Rick's Facebook page as well. There's links to that website. Oh, nice work. Did yeah. you do that? I just did just now. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> the engineering is just really going off the charts there. You're welcome. Okay, well, Jim, I really appreciate you coming tonight. It was a great uh, show and, and uh, helpful and informative. And we're going to uh, ask uh, Lamont and Athena to come back. Or actually, we're going to ask Lamont to come back. <laughs> Athena will stay here, but Lamont will play the guitar and sing. And... Uh, He'll play us on out, and that'll be that'll be it for tonight. And uh, should I should I exit now, or should we wait on that? Why don't you, why don't you exit now? Okay. Play off. All right, then we'll just play off. So, um, actually, so what I I, I thanked uh, thank Jim, and I appreciate uh, I appreciate you coming. And uh, uh, I'll email out the link for next week's show as soon as I uh, have it, which is usually uh, Wednesday or Thursday. And uh, remember, live today, love yourself, and love your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you enjoyed the show. Give us your feedback and ideas. See you next Sunday at 8 o'clock. I think most of us need a hug and a kick in the pants, and that's basically what this song is trying to do. (laughs) Cheer up, you are worse off than you figure. Oh.